0: this morning we are going to be uh, continuing in our conversations on discipleship and uh, and my partner in crime he is coming in he's been working on some things trying to uh, figure out our internet is out this morning and so uh, I know that uh, maybe that might uh Maybe it might get fixed, and we will have our live stream going. But as of now, uh, we do not have that. Uh, we do not have that going. So uh, you ought to be thankful that you're here today. You're not missing out on anything uh, for that uh, in that sense. But here this morning, we are going to be continuing in and actually uh, finishing out our conversation that we've been having on being consecrated. And uh, this has been such a, a fruitful discussion. At least I hope so for you. It has been for myself. It's been a fruitful study for myself. And just diving into the Word of God about what does it mean to be consecrated. And uh, for us today, this is uh, something that uh, in, in some senses looks very similar to what consecration looked like in the Old Testament. Uh, where they would have uh, very ceremonial things. Or they would have uh, some symbolic uh, gesture that would say that as of today, we are setting ourselves aside for the purpose of, of God's work. And, uh, for us today, we, it's not only just in the big gesture of what we do, but, uh, but it's in the everyday life that every day we uh, ought to consecrate ourselves. And there are those special times that we have been talking about. Uh, especially last week we were discussing these, uh, special times of being consecrated, that there are times in our life when we would recognize the need to step back from thing, <coughs> excuse me, step back from things that are taking up our time and fogging our minds, causing us to kind of get off course. And in those moments it is such a great uh, opportunity for us to say, I need to consecrate myself. I need to spend some time with God to be able to hear His voice. And that is uh, this this conversation that we've been in. And uh, I just want to say, again, welcome to uh, our sister, Pastor Josh Pikangi. Uh He's going to be uh, in this conversation with us this morning. And today we are going to get everybody uh, involved in this conversation. So uh, hopefully you are... Um, willing participants here today. Not that we're going to give everybody a mic, but uh, we'll be here all day.
1: Well, the good news is no one got up and left, so uh, you're stuck. Zuzi, if you can close the doors, we'd appreciate now. Amen. So today,
0: uh, our our focus as we close out this conversation, and, and um, I say close it out. This will probably be a theme, uh, really, for where we are at just in in this time for new life And just kind of where we are at as the church is that I believe that God is calling us to a place of deeper consecration, that God is calling us to a place uh, where we would devote our minds, our thoughts uh, to him. And it's not just about the fun, the fellowship, although all of that is important, uh, but it is about hearing the voice of God. And I believe that consecration plays a a very pivotal role in us as disciples. And so that's, that's really our topic this morning is consecration in discipleship, and uh, I want to, you know, this has been a heartbeat of mine for many years of just, you know, what does it mean to be a disciple, and how can we as a church pursue discipleship, and so, um, Josh, I, I just want to ask you as for yourself, when you think of a disciple, you know, what, it, what comes to mind for you? What, is, what does it mean to be a disciple.
1: I think we all would go to like the disciples in the Bible and be like, okay, the, these were the, the devout followers of Christ. And sometimes that's a little bit intimidating when you use that word disciple, because it's like, well, I'm trying to compare myself to, to the 12, and that's not really what it is. It's a disciple, someone that's willing to uh, to give up their agenda, their plans, their, their focus on their needs, and focus on whatever God has for them, and being able to walk after him. So it's, to me, uh, being a disciple is when uh, God's vision and His plan is more important than the one that you have for yourself.
0: I, I love that thought of just you know what God has for us. It's it's more important than what our plan is. I think of people all even all the way back um, before Jesus. You know that's kind of where we think of the the beginning of disciples, and I would say really that is uh, you know where that that term comes to us is in the New Testament, we see that under Jesus. But all the way back in the Old Testament, we still see people who they are followers of, of cry or they're followers of, of Yahweh, followers of God, and even followers uh, of, of a man of God. You have Elisha, who was really, in many ways, a disciple of Elijah. He was following in his steps, he was learning from him, he was doing the things that uh that, that Elijah was doing, and then he carried on that legacy himself. And he even uh would go on to uh to to make other disciples as well. And so this is something that is not restricted even to this this church age, but discipleship is people who they were very normal. You see the disciples in the Bible, very normal people. Uh, they were not the the bible scholars or the, the torah scholars they were they were not the ones who had uh, spent their whole life devoted to uh to studying the scriptures but they were fishermen they were tax collectors they were uh you know all kinds of uh backgrounds uh, you have one Simon who was the zealot he, he himself was was somebody that uh was pursuing uh pursuing the coming of the messiah in a completely different way, but God reshaped his idea of what it meant for the kingdom of God to come. And it was for him to learn that Christ was coming with a message of peace and a message that was not of this world, but was beyond this world.
1: What I love, too, is when the disciples were called, none of them were like, hey, this is a passion that I have. But God came to him and he, he connected with him, and then that passion was formed. Uh, I think sometimes we think, well, if I'm meant to be a disciple maker, if I'm meant to do these things, then that's going to be the thing I wake up thinking about every single day. And that's not always the case, right? It's when we, we align ourselves with God and we have that the interaction with him, and that's when the burden uh, really grows and develops. Um, it's something that you kind of have to desire after w- when you have that interaction with God. Because they had a choice. They, none of the disciples had to leave their lives and follow after him, but they believed in it enough that they sacrificed everything for it.
0: So here's here's the definition that I have used. Uh, I've, I've borrowed this um, from others, but my my definition for what it means to be a disciple today is someone who's willing to let Jesus change what they care about to match and reflect what he cares about. That's what it means to be a disciple. And you say, well, how how do you get that definition? It's uh, obviously not the definition. You look this up in the Webster's Dictionary or some uh, Bible, uh, you know, Hebrew, um, dictionary, that's not the the definition it's going to give you. For that, it's going to tell you that a disciple is a follower, it's a learner, somebody who would uh, be seeking after truth and, and and following somebody to learn from them. But it's not just to learn, it's to apply what they learn. And so that's why I say it's someone who's willing to change what they care about. Because as soon as somebody is willing to let Jesus change what you care about, to let Him change the things that you are doing, your behaviors. Well, it's at that moment that truly you are learning from Him and applying the things that He is speaking to you. And so you can have somebody who is, somebody who is, you know, completely, um, who has never stepped foot in, in, in a church. And they get introduced to the Word of God. And there's something in there that begins to spark something in them that says, this is speaking directly to my heart. And I need to change some stuff in me. And at that moment, as soon as they begin to change some, some things in themselves, they're, they're a disciple of Jesus. As soon as they begin to change, to make some changes in themselves, they're a disciple that's following after Christ. And as soon as we stop doing that... We're no longer a disciple. Yeah, that's, yeah. And so That's what I want to you know pause to us today is, are, have, have we stopped doing that? Yeah. I don't know in here. Um, I don't know for you, maybe. Have, have you arrived yet?
1: Uh, my no? wife would tell you that definitely not. <laughs> no, no, nowhere near close. But you know what? I think that that's, that's life, right? If we ever get to the point where we're content and we feel like we've arrived, we're going to get humbled real quick.
0: That's the that's the truth. If we feel like we've arrived, if we feel like we have gotten to the place of not needing anything else in us to change, well, that's the moment that we have stopped being a disciple. Yeah. That's the moment that we have stopped coming to, to Christ to say, Lord, what in me needs to be changed? What in me needs to be adjusted? Now there's there's things in me that uh, I get my focus off the mark, or I get you know things that are that are missing the mark here and there. And and God, I need you to redirect me. And and as long as we're asking Him, as long as not just asking Him, but as long as we're acting upon that, that is the role of a disciple. And that's what God has called us each of the, each of us to be is to be a disciple. And uh, see, the d- disciples they learn uh, from their teacher. They seek, seek to live out. Those teachings themselves, they bring others to the understandings of those teachings. They even go and make other disciples uh, themselves. You know, like Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." But here is the thing: we we talk about disciple discipleship and um, being a disciple, and it seems like a really great path to follow. Um, it is a great path to follow. There are so many benefits to being a disciple, but. Here's what I see in Scripture from Jesus Himself speaking about being a disciple of His. He's, he says, there is, this is not an easy path. This is, in fact, it has a very high price that will be paid in order to be a disciple of mine. And from the very beginning, we see the calling of, of Peter and Andrew these two brothers, and then James and John, right after that, who were fishermen, and what is the what was the ask of them when Jesus approached them there in the boat that one day?
1: Yeah, when he asked him, he said, "You know, you want to give up all these things and become a fisher of men." That always surprised me because it wasn't like he started with something small, right? He didn't say, "Hey, I've had this interaction with me. And if you just..." do these little tiny baby steps. We're going to build trust, and then we're going to get there. But he said, are you fully committed? Right off the bat, like, are you fully in this or not? And I think that what stops some of us from becoming a disciple is God asks us that question, and then we say, well, let me, let me test these things out first for a little bit. Let me try this, and if that works, then I'll have the faith to do something bigger. And he's just saying, are you willing to trust me right now? No matter what it is, how big it is, how tough it's going to be, um, are you willing to make that commitment?
0: I I love that. So it's, it, he says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And then if you want to put that scripture up on the screen, the Matthew 4, verse 20, tells us that they straightway left their nets and they followed him. Yeah. That was their response. They straightway left their nets and they followed him. Now, this is not their first interaction with Jesus. Uh, they, uh, at least Andrew, we do know uh, from scripture that at least Andrew had been introduced to Jesus. Uh, Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. Uh, he was at least a, or a follower of John the Baptist. And in those encounters, he had been introduced to Jesus, that he was already convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he came to his brother. I'm sure they had conversation about Jesus. And then Jesus approaches them. And this ask is made. And he, it says they straightway left their nets. They followed him. And then Jesus went down, uh, just down the, the seashore, Uh, and he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, and they were in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and Jesus made the same call to them. And they immediately left the ship and their father, and they followed him. This is a high cost of discipleship. They walked away from their their life. They walked away from uh, everything that they knew to follow Jesus Christ. And this is not the, uh, this is not the last time that we see a high price that is being asked of, of disciples. Uh, you want to read uh, there in Luke chapter 14?
1: Yep. Luke fourteen twenty five, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned, and he, and he said unto them, if, many, if any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and his wife and children and brother and sisters, yea, and his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever... Doth not bear his cross and come with me cannot be his cannot be my disciple for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth down sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it so we we were talking about this, and he's he 's giving these big examples of things of hey you 're going to have to give up a lot of things, and the one thing that I went on a rabbit trail because I tend to do that a lot. If you're in uh, connect classes with me, you'll understand that. But uh, he, he talks about laying down a cross from the beginning. And it makes sense to us because we know how it ends. But, like, how, how confusing must that have been to, to tell the disciples that, hey, there's going to be a time where you're going to have to pick up this cross, which to them was a symbol of, yeah. of wrongdoing and, and suffering because of something you did wrong. He says, but you might have to join in with me. And he's laying it out from the beginning. He's saying, you know, it's going to be tough. You have to think about what, what is going to happen. He's not asking them to just blindly say, okay, it's it's going to all going to be worth it. He's like, you're going to have to sit down, and you're going to have to think, what's this going to cost me, and is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it, but he wants us to realize that, yes, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we'll keep reading a little bit. It says, 29 says, Less happily after he laid down the foundation, and not able to finish it, and all, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, this man began to build, and he was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able to, with 10,000, to meet that that cometh against him, or with 20,000? Or else, while the other is a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whatever whatsoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple.
0: That's a big ask of Jesus. He says, whoever does not forsake all that he have. I and mean, when he started that out by saying, unless you hate your father, hate your mother, hate your siblings, even hate yourself, you cannot be my disciple. Now that is very, very strong language. And, yes. and Jesus is, uh, is really using hyperbole because we would, we would see other places that Jesus is, Uh, Very much is talking about loving our family, loving others. And so it is not a true hatred that he is speaking of. But what he is speaking of here is in relation to how much you love me and how much you are devoted to me, there ought to be a large gap between how much you love those who were the closest to you. Because I am the most important thing that you could ever have in this life. So, there is this, this level of devotion to Christ that is, that is inherent to discipleship. There is this level of devotion to Him that is inherent to being a disciple of Christ, that, that we must love Him fully, that we must be completely sold out. As it finished out that passage, it says, He that does not forsake all that He hath. If you, if you don't leave all of that behind. Now, what do I mean in today's context? Leave all that behind. If you are not willing to walk away from something when God is calling you to something else, then that is an area where you need to, to recognize in yourself that you are not discipleable. Yeah. If you are not willing to forsake something... In order to follow after Christ, then that is an area where you are not discipleable. But God has called us today to be disciples of Christ. Now this is, uh, as as we continue on, this is a very high ask. This is uh, it's not something that he is just letting, uh, letting be an easy road to walk to be his disciple. Uh, in fact, Jesus, we see throughout his ministry, the crowds grow. Uh, at, at what point would you say you know is the, the greatest amount of people that Jesus had?
1: Oh, that's tough. <laughs> we we know at least at some point he had he fed the five thousand plus their wives and their kids. So you're talking what twenty thousand plus that, that are following him at that time? Because we always talk about the twelve. There's other times where he says there's seventy two disciples and there's yeah. all these other followers that he always had going around with him. Yeah.
0: So we have that that moment there where you he feeds the five thousand. 20,000 possibly if you if we're counting everybody cuz it's just 5,000 men. And so you have that large group. So what what happens right after that is we see this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. Or it's not just his disciples, but it's it's uh those not just the 12, but it's a large group. This is in John chapter 6. And we're going to we're going to skip around just a little bit here in um John chapter 6, but verse 51, Jesus says this statement, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And the Jews, therefore, they strove among themselves, and they said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Very great question to ask. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. He doesn't really give much explanation at all for what he is saying. He's speaking to these disciples at the largest point in his his public ministry, and he's asking of them to do something that is very, very difficult. They don't understand it, but Jesus... Is talking to them. And how many here today could say that Jesus has ever asked you to do something that you don't understand? 100%. Yeah. yeah. There's been that prompting in your spirit, or, or just like, I-, I don't understand. Maybe even in yourself, it's just like, why am I going through this right now? You don't understand the path that He's taking you through. And here's the thing He doesn't always explain it. No. Yeah. Eventually, they would come to know. What he's saying here, when they sat with him out at the Last Supper, and he broke the bread and he gave them the the cup to drink from, and he said, "This this is my body, which is broken for you. This this is my blood, which will be shed for you." And then they would understand it later that night as he was hanging on the cross. But at this moment, and especially in the large crowd, they had no clue what Jesus was saying when he says, "You got to eat my flesh and you got to drink my blood." Well, what he's uh, he, he continues on. He says, these things, uh, verse 59, these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard of this, they said, this is a really hard saying. Who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said, oh, does this offend you? And this is the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. He's saying, this is a very tall task, but I'm asking you to trust me. Verse 66 says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and they walked no more with him. And Jesus said unto the 12, oh, are you guys going to walk away as well? Simon Peter answered, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and we are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That is the heart of a disciple. What Peter speaks there is the heart of Of a disciple it's saying. "Yeah, You've asked us to do hard things. There's things that we don't understand. But I'm going to trust you. Others may walk away. And you notice Jesus was just fine. With people walking away. He wasn't lowering the bar. He was keeping the bar right there. At a high place. and, And saying. It's up to you now. To follow after me. To trust me. And so we see this this in discipleship, that, that whole uh, concept of taking up your cross, following after him, is you know, such a, a foreign concept to them. You, you know, take up our cross. What do you mean, take up our cross? So, you know, you're, you're asking us to go to, to a place where, where we, we, we might die for you. And Jesus is saying, that's exactly what I'm asking of you.
1: And there's times that he'd ask them to do things that they thought, <laughs> they, we can't do this. It's It's improbable or impossible for us. Like, feeding the 5000. He said, "All right, let's go get food." And they're like, "We can't. We don't have enough money. We don't there's not enough market time. There's not enough daylight." And he was trying to teach them. He's like, "Listen, I'm going to give you a problem, and this I have the the answer, but are you going to try to figure it out on your own or are you going to trust me?" And so there are several times in the Bible where he would do things like that where God would give them something that they felt they were incapable of doing, but if they stuck it out and just trusted him through the process, then great things were Uh, able to be achieved that's kind of like how it is with us and our walk as disciples if there's someone in here that god gave you the whole plan i'm jealous of you but for me usually it's a confusing thing and it's just i I have this burden and i don't understand it and i don't know why but the more that i focus on that and I, i follow after that then everything starts to make sense and i think that's what he's wanting us to do is because sometimes we think we're really smart and we've got everything figured out on our own so we just go into autopilot you can't go into autopilot if you're a disciple right You've got to continually be focusing on what he has for you. So I think that's part of the reason why he asks us to do things that we think we're incapable of or that we don't understand is because he wants to make sure we're still conversing with him.
0: Yeah, I think that's so good. And I want to wrap this up, uh, this, this first part here in about two minutes so that we can uh, get everybody involved in uh, in this conversation on disciple or on, on consecration. And so I'll, let's wrap it up by, by this. You know what? We're talking about discipleship today and you're saying this seems like a left, left turn from this conversation of being consecrated. Uh, but, but this has everything to do with each other. That as a disciple, there, we must be consecrated. That as a disciple, it, it means to follow after Christ. I want to be as, I want to be Christ-like. And Jesus, we see him often in his ministry. He would go off and he would spend time alone. He would go into the wilderness by himself or he would go to the garden of Gethsemane. Uh, sometimes not completely alone. He would take, Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration, or he would take them uh, off with him in different times. And we find Jesus often in these quiet places, and he is praying. He is seeking the will of, of you know, putting his, Jesus, we understand Jesus is 100% God, and he is 100% man. So he had to uh, get his man, his flesh, under control yeah. so that he was submitted completely to to the spirit. And so in the same way, we ought to copy those same behaviors as we consecrate ourselves, as we identify times in our own life where we have all these distractions, all these things that are coming at us. And, and yet we are called to be a living sacrifice. We are called every day to to pick up the cross and to carry it. We are called to be consecrated and as a disciple following after him so that he can speak into us. And so uh, I want our, um, if we could get um, our ushers today. I was blanking on the word. Uh, we have some handouts that are back there. I have some more up here. Begin began to realize, you probably saw me pick up my phone at the beginning. I began to realize I printed far too few for everybody to have one. So we got some more printed. I think we have enough now.
1: And while they're handing that out, like we were talking about Jesus when he went and he isolated himself. A lot of times that was right before, you know, something big that was about to happen. So one, it was before his ministry really started because he wanted to get his vision in his direction. And one was because he was going to have to do something he knew he didn't want to have to do. And he needed to, to die out to that flesh. But I love the fact that a lot of times he brought those three people with him, right? He he brought his inner circle with him. He didn't bring them all the way. He, he left them, but I think... And what's important to me when I look at this series talking about being a disciple and being consecrated, we don't do it ourselves, right? Yeah, there is some time that we need to be just us and God, but you need to have a core group of people that are there to support you and help you to keep your focus. Because there are going to be days that you're going to be like, is this really worth it? Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? Me and Pastor, we still have days like that where we wake up and we think, is this really worth it? And you have that support structure to help keep you focused and say, yeah, let's keep going. Amen. Let's keep going.
0: Amen. Okay, so we have this handout. Uh, I believe almost everybody has it now. And here's, uh, I would like for you to get a, hopefully you have a writing utensil. If you don't have a pen or a pencil, lift up your hand and we can try to get some passed out. Um, as We just really wanted to make this very, uh, very applicable for us, for all of us today. This conversation that we have been in over these last couple of weeks uh, we want to bring this home for us, and so i 've been kind of preparing us over these last couple of weeks that there will be a time where uh, in this um, in this conversation that we are all going to have some some steps of consecration for our own lives and so I have three different categories on this handout: The f- top one says free time activities," the next one says connecting with God, and the last one is people. You are close to, and so there's there's five different uh, places under each of those categories. And what I'm going to ask is that uh, the, on the top one, that you would list five things, maybe your five top things, or just five things that come to mind that you do in your free time. It could be uh, at you know just just time wasters, that things that uh, for for you when you're not at work or when you're not. Uh, you know, when you're not eating, or I guess, you know, maybe you just eat all the time and that's kind of how you feel your free time. Uh, but what are five things that you do uh, during your free time? Some free time activities. Perhaps it's uh, scrolling on Facebook and or scrolling on social media, and that's, you know, something that consumes your time. Uh, maybe it's sitting and watching TV or sitting and watching Netflix. Uh, uh, maybe for you, it's, it's reading a book. It's, it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, things that are um, so, um, so much like junk food. <laughs> That's what I would call scrolling on Facebook and just watching TV. Uh, but so what are some of the free time activities that you have? List five of them. The next category is connecting with God. And I want you to put down five ways that you can connect with God. Five ways that you can connect with God. The last one, I think, is self-explanatory. Five people that you are close to.
1: So the hard part in this is to actually be honest on some of these things. Because when Pastor gave me the preview, he was like, okay, think of five uh, free time activities. And I'm like, okay, what are five things that I can give up? So I'm going to give up watching Yankees baseball this week. Uh, Their season ends today, for those of you that don't know. But think of actual things that... (laughs) Brother Brent, I pray for you. That was just... It was just mean, but it was true,
0: so did the reds <laughs> yeah that's true still see some people writing, so we're going to give a moment. What are some uh, ways actually as we're kind of waiting here, some ways that you um, find to connect with God?
1: Uh, for me, it you know, there's the basic ones where you, you read your Bible, you pray, you listen to some worship music, and uh, the, the weird one for me is uh, I, I like to read other books that are, are spiritual-based that aren't the Bible that kind of give me a fresh perspective on things. So if there's things that I'm currently, like, I've got a vision for this or I'm struggling with something, I try to find, like, a book about that, too, because sometimes that gives a little bit more clarity to where I am. Um, because believe it or not, not everyone's a biblical scholar and you're like, oh, I need a word from God and I'm going to get it exactly from, uh, the Bible. But, uh, sometimes you, you use other resources to kind of open your eyes to what the word is saying to you. So I think supplementing that with, with prayer, you know, putting yourself in the place where you're listening to some worship music, setting an atmosphere for God to do that. And then using other resources that are out there, um, I think are, are good things too.
0: I also had on mine just even just spending time in nature, um, just with God in the quiet, uh, that for me is just a way that you can connect with God and just kind of getting away from the uh, the things that are taking up your, your thoughts and just allowing allowing the nature, uh, creation of God just to, you know, be your surroundings and just connect with Him. So see a couple of writing I'm going to give... Um, minute or two more, and then we'll explain what we're going to do with these things here. Just you know, the people you're close to that could be your family as well. Have to exclude them. Okay, so here's what we want to do today, as we um, bring this to a close in these last couple of minutes, is I wanted to bring this very practical to a very, very practical point. This conversation about being consecrated, and uh, as we have stated, consecration is uh, is that moment of separation from the things that uh, are just common things that are not always sinful, but things that just take up our time and dedicating ourselves to God, having uh, having a time where we are able to clearly hear the voice of God and what he is what he's saying to us. And in discipleship, you know, identifying the areas in us that need to be changed, identifying things in us that uh, that that really don't align with his will Uh, for us. Being, um, perhaps it's even just giving you dreams, not not just dreams, you know that uh, you dream at night, but but giving you some dreams about what God wants to do through you and in you. That allowing you to dream again about about God using you in some uh, in some form or fashion. That that God he can begin to just just drop some things into your spirit about about what. Is in your future in that the fact that you are not um, that you don't have to be stagnant in your walk with God, and so this is this is what happens in consecration. Now, on the other side of consecration, as we talked about last week, it's there is that uh, that factor of God wants to do great things. God desires to do wonders that when His people would consecrate themselves, that God would show up, and so uh, we have these these areas here. These free time activities, things that you do just in your free time, things that just uh, that you find yourself uh, doing and, and just wasting time, perhaps. It's not always doesn't always have to be a waste of time, but uh, things that uh, just kind of fill up the space in your day and uh, for yourself, uh, you know, whatever you have on that list. Here's what I'm going to ask of us today is that you would take at least one of these activities that you have listed there and that you would replace that with the five ways of connecting with God this week that at least one of those activities that you have that you uh, are that you do in your free time could we as the church bind together and consecrate ourselves and replace that activity with all five it doesn't have to be every single day, but, but I would love to see all five of the, the ways that you want to connect with God uh, integrated into your life this week. I would hope that, that some of these ways that you connect with God, that it's already part of your daily routine. But there's other, there's other things that, uh, that maybe you wrote down there that is not part of your daily routine. It's not my practice necessarily to fast every single day, uh, though I wrote fasting on here uh to connect with God. It's not part of my practice to uh to go out into the nature and just you know spend time with God in nature every single day. Uh, I, I like it when I do that, but uh even not every even week not even every week. But I want to uh, be intentional about doing that this week so that I can set aside this uh these these distractions and allow God to begin to speak to me. So then you have that third category That's there. And in this third category, you have five different uh five names of people who you are close to. And I'm gonna ask that you would pray for all five of those people every day this week. That all five of those people that you have listed there, that you would begin to pray for them, and that you uh that you would just pray blessings on them, that you would just pray, you know, God's favor on them, that you would just just help uh, you know, just just whatever it is, whatever you're feeling uh to pray for. Uh, that you would be very intentional about lifting all five of those individuals up this week in prayer. But there's another aspect to that last list is uh, I want for you to take at least one individual that's on that list and to make that person your consecration partner for this week. And what does that mean, to be a consecration partner? To be a consecration partner means that That you are going to have conversation with them about what God is speaking to you. We see in, uh, in scripture that, uh, many times when there was fasting that took place, that it was a, it was a call for the, uh, it was a group effort, or it was a call for all of Israel to do this, or it was a call for a group of people to come together, even the church to come together and to consecrate themselves Together And it was a very communal effort. And I believe that uh, there is something powerful about bind, binding together with somebody else during your time of, of consecration so that it's not just cemented in you, but it's you being able to explain to somebody else what God is speaking to you during that time. And so maybe you could circle, circle one individual, uh, have, have one person that's here that is going to be your consecration partner. And it it would be great for you to have a conversation with them at the end of the week about what God spoke to you during this week of consecration. It would be even better for you to have a conversation with them every single day about what is God speaking to you during this week. During this time, while you are setting aside the distractions, setting aside some of these free time activities, things that just fill our time. And we are being very intentional about connecting with God and, and allowing Him to speak to us as we would consecrate our minds, consecrate our hearts, consecrate ourselves to Him. And then let's let conversation flow from that with your consecration partner. And so I want us here today, let's, let's stand. Our Sunday school classes are making their way in. And as they come, as they're making their way in, I wonder if we could just all let our, just close our eyes and just lift up a hand to heaven right now. And we're just going to begin to pray over the things that you wrote down, that you would just help, that you would just pray and even for yourself as we are on this journey of discipleship, that we would just begin right now to say, Lord, I I am consecrating myself for this week. Let this prayer right now be the start. Let this prayer right now be that beginning where you are making up your mind to say, Lord, I am going to, to just, just be very intentional about hearing your voice, God, about, about, allowing you to speak to me this week about areas in me that need to be changed God that that you would begin to just just deposit some some new dreams God and some new passions some things in me God so that I could fulfill the calling that that you have upon my life Lord I pray that right now Lord all over this congregation Lord that you would just begin in us Lord to stir something up God, would you stir something up in us, Lord, so that we could fulfill the calling, God, so that we could be fully devoted disciples of Christ. I pray that in this week of consecration, Lord, that you would, that you would show yourself strong, God. I pray that in this week of consecration, Lord, that we, as the body of Christ, God, that we could see you moving and doing wonders and things in us and through us. Jesus.
1: So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I am nothing else fit for a king. Yeah. Except for a heart singing hallelujah hallelujah it's for sure i've got nothing more.